last time I told you, I'll be right back. Ready? Yes, sir. Lance Smith. Here. Kenneth Burgess. Here. Mayor Monson. Here. Charles Proctor. Here. Jody Wilkerson. Stephen Spina. Here. Matthew Maggart. Here. William Poe. Here. Christina Remington. Here. Thomas Van Adder. Beth Aker. Here. Randy Stovall. Here. Tracy Sullivan. Here. David Armstrong. Here. Ellen Taylor, Here. Rosie Paulson, Yeah, let me just, uh, well, I did a PowerPoint and everything. I was prepared, but i got to get mine up so I know what I'm talking about. Senate Bill 102. Everybody hear me okay? Um, this is being called uh, the Live Local Act, uh, and it's actually in, this, in the bill to call it that. Um, it changes several different codified statutes, so it's not just like one statute, so I think that's why they went with a general name. Um, to the next slide. Want me to come get that from you? Oh, you got it? All right. So there's a variety of different um, housing policies. Actually, the one that most of us are concerned with, I assume, is, is really a smaller part of the bill. Um, there's a lot of funding and tax credits in it. Um, there's a ton of money going to affordable housing, um, whether through tax exemptions or, or actual funding. Um, as you can see, the bold one there, um, 
zoning land use and the role of local government is the one that we'll primarily focus on tonight I think this is a previous version of the slides I might have, did I send you the wrong one Do you have access to your email on that computer? It's minor changes anyway. It's effective July 1st, not July 2nd. Um, so what it does, it preempts uh, municipalities or all local governments to regulation on zoning, density, and height restrictions. If it is multifamily or mixed-use uh, mixed affordable housing developments that meet certain criteria, um, primarily those that are proposed to be constructed in commercial and industrial, including light industrial areas as well as mixed-use areas, which are, you know, planned unit developments that may have entitlements but haven't quite finished the process. Um, I know there's a couple parcels out there that are have planned development, but the actual plan never got completed, but they're zoned PUD. Um, those, this would apply to those as well. Um, it, it prohibits any local government from imposing any kind of rent control ordinances or regulations. Um, and then it also requires any government-owned land by the county or municipality um, that would be good or appropriate for affordable housing be listed on our website. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how all that's interpreted. You know, this is, it's not in effect yet. No one's really applied it yet. Everybody has an opinion on it and there's quite a few different ones out there. Um, this bill was actually largely supported and negotiated by the Florida League of Cities. I talked to one of their general counsel today. They supported it because of all the money in it. Um, and they actually think that we are in the minority that are trying to conserve our industrial and um, kind of reduce our number of roofs right now because we have that lopsided. We don't want to become Brandon rooftop community. We're trying to grow our industrial and she thinks that we may be the you know unintended victim of of this but broad speaking they didn't intend that to be an issue um obviously it is with us um next slide please sure Yes, basically most of this PowerPoint's what we're concerned about. I'll get, this is just some brief bullet points. I'll get to the nuts and bolts and then actually explain how it goes. Um, 
but yeah, we can't use our zoning regulations, our height restrictions, our density restrictions to prohibit affordable housing. Um, Forty. Well, it depends. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'll touch on all of it. There's a big calculation. I didn't really get into the affordable side of it because it's, you know, in the statute cutting you gotta do some mathematical calculations and it's very site specific um, as far as number of units rental value bottom line is that's something that we would determine through the planning process next slide please all right so here's actually what's going to be codified and turned into the statute so a municipality must authorize a multifamily and mixed-use residential so that was something that I learned that I had a misperception about. I thought it was only multifamily, but it's actually any kind of mixed-use development that includes residential. Um, an area zoned commercial, industrial, or mixed-use. Uh, that includes, this is a question we were talking about, AP. Uh, airport zoning is not considered residential, so it falls into this category and this statute would apply to those as well it would so this is where the statute gets a little tricky with its words and, and I've reread it a thousand times and I talked to League of Cities about it and another local government attorney and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in court and gets clarified because at first glance it's it's unclear to me uh, but it, if it's a multifamily or mixed-use parcel and it's in uh, our project and it's proposed on a area zone commercial industrial or mixed use and at least 40 percent of the residential units in a proposed multifamily rental development um, are and for a period of 30 years affordable as defined by uh, 420.0004 um, then we we have to approve it so this particular section of the paragraph leaves out mixed use when it's referring to it and it adds the word rental so it's if it's multifamily um, my interpretation is is that if it's multifamily there has to be at least 40 percent that are not not only rental but affordable housing um, and if those apply, we cannot require the uh, developer um, to obtain zoning or land use change, special exemptions, 
conditional uses, variance, comprehensive plan amendments, all those things are, are out the window um, it, if it's regarding height, zoning, or densities. This is just for the, the zoning uh, and, and the, the, the type of use for that particular parcel, not any other factor yet. Um, for mixed use residential, so we're now we're going back to mixed use, uh, at least 65% of the total square footage must be for residential purposes. I will note that it does not define what the other part of the mixed use could or should be. Um, there's argument that if it's industrial, it has to be industrial. Um, but I don't think that's accurate. I think, I think the way it was intended, this, the statute uh, would apply to the whole project and they could do commercial in an industrial area or uh, office professional or whatever. Um, so next slide, please. Uh, so when is this uh, Live Local Act triggered? And I've kind of already explained this, but a multifamily residential rental development is proposed in an area zoned commercial, industrial, or mixed use, and 40% or more of the residential units are considered affordable housing. Or a mixed use residential development is proposed in an area zoned commercial, industrial, or mixed use, and at least 65% of the total square footage must be residential. Uh, notice on the mixed use, it doesn't require it to be a rental, and it doesn't specify what the other uses are. That's not clear to me, and I haven't been able to find that answer. If you look a lot of the analysis, the bullet points all say affordable housing. But if you read the actual word of the statute, it seems to separate affordable housing and rental and mixed use in two different categories. Matt, what is the definition of affordable housing? Is that Section 8 or is that? Um, it means that the monthly rents or monthly mortgage payments, including taxes, insurance, and utilities, do not exceed 30% of the amount, which represents the percentage of the median adjusted gross annual income for the households as indicated in subsection 9, 10, 11, 12, 17. It's a, it's a mathematical calculation. So Individually. Depending on the, the actual area you're in, yeah, so it's going to be per project defined. So it's not necessarily Section 8, no. Um, next slide, please. So what does this mean for Zephyr Hills? Uh, we as a city cannot require a proposed multifamily development to obtain zoning land use change special exemptions, conditional uses appro uh, for approval, variances or comprehensive plan amendments for building uh, based on height, zoning, or densities. Yes.
preface this by this is my first dive into the ordinance and I've read a bunch of analysis on it and talked to some people today but none of this has actually been applied because it's not in effect yet so my opinion on it may change as they start having decisions done by the courts I, I don't know it, you know I can read it and tell you how I interpret it but it's tricky language so I feel like it's going to be interpreted a bunch of different ways All is height permissible, not already approved, permissible under the code. But uh, I'll get to the airport. I'll get to the airport. Um, next slide, please. Okay, so a municipality may not restrict the density of a proposed development under this subsection below the highest allowed density on any land in a municipality where residential development is allowed. So whatever the density is on any parcel of land, the highest permitted in the city is what can be permitted here. Before Councilman Burgess asked me, Yes, we can change the density, but it has to be in effect before July 1. <laughs> so whether it's practical or actually feasible, I don't know. Because it planning commission, it, yeah. What's your transmittal? No, it doesn't. The comprehensive plan still applies as long as it doesn't apply to one of, as long as it doesn't deal with any other section other than height, density, or. Yeah, we'll get there. All right, so a municipality may not restrict the height of a proposed development authorized under this subsection below the highest currently allowed height for a commercial or residential development uh, located within the jurisdiction within one mile of the proposed development um, or three stories, whichever is higher. So for us, it's three stories.
right, well, if you're a mile from the Acme property, I said, all right, well, then if you're a mile from the Acme property, it may be four stories. Next slide, please. Um, all right, so this is where it kind of gives us some things that may apply. So proposed development authorized under this section, um, subsection must be administratively approved um, if the development satisfies the municipality's land development regulations for multifamily developments in areas zoned for such use and is otherwise consistent with the comprehensive plan with the exception of allowable densities, height, and land use. Um, next slide. I'm going to I'll move through these a little faster. So they must consider reducing parking requirements if within a half mile we have a major transit stop as defined by our land development code. We don't have a definition of that in our land development code. So I think we have a good argument that, that subsection doesn't apply. Um, all right, so this is one question I had for Todd. If we have less than 20% of the land area within our jurisdiction for commercial or industrial use, um, we must only uh, authorize a proposed multifamily development um, in areas zoned for commercial or industrial only if it is mixed use, so it's not multifamily. But I didn't, when I first read this, I was thinking industrial, but we have a ton of commercials, so. If that's the case, then the mixed use part of these, this bill would still apply, but not the multifamily. Matt, can I ask a question? So would that be 20% with commercial and industrial uses combined, or would it be 20% in commercial and or less than 20% industri industrial? Yeah, this came straight from the statute. I mean, I interpret that as if one or the other. Okay. But. It says or. I think if it meant both, it would say and. But so without seeing it litigated, I would say one or the other. So, Matt, 
That's right. Sixty-five percent residential, and the rest something else. Single family. how I interpret it. They actually break down the percentage in that in that scenario by square footage. And that's because you have in your land code that it has to uh, industrial has to be set back. Okay. All Um, this is wraps up the actual statute portion. The, re the rest is kind of analysis, but um, except as otherwise, what we talked about, you know, the the different requirements and the height density and zoning, it must comply with all other state and local laws and regulations. So that includes concurrency, that. Um, well, I'll touch on the airport in a minute, but that includes anything federal. Uh, and it expires in 10 years, October 1st, 2033, this act expires. Uh, so it's good for 10 
back to putting the poorest people in the work areas. We're back, you know, 100 years ago or 50 years ago or whatever, and that really bothers me that they shouldn't be, poorest people shouldn't be next to us, uh, have to be living right next to HOMs, coming by 10 times a day.
Every dollar, a dollar twenty it costs for residential for our services, sixty cents on the dollar for commercial, and twenty cents on the dollar for industrial. So you know that's where, you know, for us when we have limited police workers, you know, you want that diversity, and so that was a big eye.
probably have to deed restrict it, but I don't know how you enforce it. Yeah. So I only have a few, maybe like four more slides if you want to get through them and then we can discuss it. So, um, We need to go back. No, nah, I mean I the other one says the same thing. You can't do rent control, and you can't twenty percent or more. Um, twenty, I mean less than twenty percent, then it's only um, mixed use. So, what about our water issue? So, water use availability is an issue of concurrency and can be a reason to delay or deny a project covered by Senate Bill One Hundred Two. A moratorium on approval of new housing developments remains an option uh, because we have a legitimate purpose in our land development regulations and contrary it's a plan um, and it doesn't it's not a regulation based on height zoning or densities and the league actually agreed with me on this when I explained that situation we also have a pretty long record of discussing our water issue it's not like we made up a water issue right when this bill passed so i think because of those things that that concurrency can be something we can use um, as a valid way to deny or delay these projects Um, so for a change in, in density or height restrictions to be applicable, it must be passed before Senate bill becomes a 102 becomes effective, which is July 1st. I've already touched on that. Um, per, you know, regardless of our two story high restriction residential Senate bill 102, uh, developments, um, can permits developments to be at least three stories. Yes. Unless it's a planned development that was already zoned to planned development. includes com commercial, industrial, or mixed use. I think a PUD would probably fall under that. I don't know what else mixed use would be. No, I think unfinished PUDs. We have a couple properties that started a PUD process and that there was never a master plan done and they kind of walked away from the projects but the zoning has changed the PUD um, so height restrictions if they're a requirement of federal law the height restrictions around the airport would take precedence that's supposed to say over Senate Bill 102 and would uh, remain in effect. So some of our restrictions around the airport are not by statute and some are. So it's going to depend on 
on what the actual rules are because I think ours are a little more. The actual, yeah, so the actual requirement by uh, um, the federal government is a smaller area than what's recommended, which is what we did. We expanded. So in those expansion areas, we may have a problem with the, it depends on how, how our ordinance came about. Is it supported by? by state or federal law or not. Yeah, if but some of them are, are recommendations and weren't necessarily law and we put them in place. So uh, AP zoning is treated as commercial and or industrial zoning category for purposes of this bill. What's AP zoning? Airport. Airport. Um, and that's just the definition of that's partial definition of affordable under the housing statute, but I didn't include the rest because it's such a site specific project specific calculation. I, I didn't. So that's, uh, yeah. to those percentages it's very fact specific right so uh that concludes what i put together for this so i know it's kind of some bullet points but it really gets to the nuts and bolts of the the zoning issues now the actual bill the majority of it deals with a bunch of other issues like funding for affordable housing and tax credits and um I focus more on the actual zoning and regulations because those were more developer specific, didn't really apply to us. have to do anything with the ordinances this just for those particular situations this just uh, supersedes our ordinances for the height well kind of except for the height
couple things real quick, if I may. Uh, concurrency, you know, for those of you that may not understand the concept, essentially is we don't have to outgrow ourselves. We can put restrictions on if we can't handle the new growth. So if we don't have enough water, we don't have the traffic. So traffic is another thing. If we don't have the infrastructure in place or the utilities in place for a big development or the, the enough water, those type of things would fall all under con concurrency. And then uh, I just want to remind everybody that a moratorium, we probably need to act on it before I would like it to be enacted before July 1, just in case. And I think you can do a moratorium any I would, if I'm going to do one, it's that argument. And then also understand that it's a Band-Aid. It's not a permanent fix. By state law, they can't be more than a year unless you have valid reason to extend them. I think the water would be the basis for the moratorium, correct? I mean, could that be extended longer than a year? I think if we don't have the new permit, when the, it comes to expire, we could discuss and re, um, yeah, renew it.
Based on that being there, again, emphasis on the unknown. It's outside the city limits. Don't know if it would annex in the city. Don't know who would provide utilities. Uh, some of that goes in the wells that are agricultural wells that are on the property. We won't get too much into that. But wanted to point that out, that that's what that 2,500 units are. Um, that's more, just to be clear, that's more Yeah, and if I if I may on that, so um, a development order, so an active development order, once we um, sign those plans, the development order is good for six months. They have up to six months to pull permits. So the development order can include approved site development plans, can can include permits, um, and it can also include plats. Um, so that's that's the total number of units right now that are platted, have permits, or have an active and unexpired development order. Site development plans. Those are those are um, PUD master plans that have been approved. Um, they could have been approved ten years ago. They could have been approved, you know, eight months ago. Um, but they've not moved forward with development at this time. They've not submitted site development or construction plans, plats, or, or anything like that at, at this point. But they do have remaining phases or remaining um, portions of the project that need to move forward. That's correct.
Now, do keep in mind that Abbott Park will go to reclaim. So all the ex I'll say. As soon as the county signs off on the um, the right of use permit, then we can start pushing on the developers to get that uh, line connected. That Do you have an idea? That's a cost. Do you have an idea of what the metric is? I do not have one. Um, I mean, we don't have any specific metrics. Yeah. Right? You don't. Well, I can tell you that all the yards are green. Yeah. I'm trying to be smart.
establish, right? The homeowner has no idea what they're doing with their system, so it may be watering multiple times a week. I won't say how many days, but it could be watering multiple times sure. a week. And then they come in here with a thousand dollar water bill for the month, and they're not happy. And we have to tell them, hey, you need to go find a contractor and have them show you how to set your irrigation system. <laughs> so I would say that the kids are a lot of Case development by development. The the way our codes are written is that we're they are required to install the lines for possible future connection.
will say too, water and sewer projects are some of the easiest to find funding for. So there's there's tons of funding opportunities out there. say the 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 numbers on that sheet are not necessarily going to match the numbers up here because this is the most recent so this is based on calculations I did this week so numbers have shifted from one category to another and vice versa but it's um, all the projects that are on that sheet are also um, on this table
some, some, some projects, you know, developers aren't, aren't going to be happy if that sort of drove line to sand, but I mean, if you don't have certain approvals, either by development order or plan approval, I think we've got to draw that line to sand, and we, we can certainly discuss that. The other question that's been brought up, well, what about, you know, infill lots, and, you know, whether it's in the CRA or storm-based code, um, my initial thought on Our, our recommendation, you know, if we are to draw the line in the sand, we are to go into a moratorium, is to encompass those that are already obviously approved developments that have an active development order but may not have yet pulled permits, um, and those that are currently in the review process looking to obtain that development order. Um, that's kind of where that line is drawn. So, you know, don't look at the number of units because that number of units could be smaller, it could be larger at the end of the day. Um, but as, as far as what review process, um, just something to be thinking about if that is the direction um, you all choose to go in.
depends on the the user. A lot of industrial barely use any water. Define pending approval. Okay, so that's where the in review would be. So those that are pending approval um, are the ones that are currently in review for site development. Now the numbers on that table that we're showing you there, those also include the 615 units that are on this table as in review other. So that number that you're seeing in that the table in front of you is both of those in review categories. So it would affect the in review other. So it would affect those going through conditional uses, annexations, future land use map amendments, and rezonings.
thought about the road, and they never thought about, you know, what they have to go through to protect them. Mm -hmm. So I think by doing this, we are taking a proactive approach. They're going to go through all this information, and then we're going to come up with a really solid plan that will help you in our infrastructure and our police to be able to be prepared, and they're not going to call us for not, <laughs> for not fixing it correctly or not preparing. Yeah, that doesn't include anybody that's currently in our futures in our cert utility service area that could potentially want to make connection but may not yet qualify for annexation
Yeah, I mean, the, the multiple units or parcels you're talking about, are they, are they being developed individually or as a...
going to have it. All development. That um, a question that I always ask: that 2,500 feature man that's outside the city limits. So that's like a plan unit development. Okay, so we still haven't heard anything from the school board about about a school, or are we just going to add more portables? I know like some of the schools are getting wings built on. Yeah, I mean, school concurrency comes into play. Maybe because I know they. Ha, ha, ha.
council does. So we don't do that. Good luck on your discussion about transitions. 
Huh? Good luck on that. 